One of the lenses I want to suggest would be to consider the gospel through the lens of initiation. We feel responsible to have a kind of 30-minute conversation that ends with the sitcom making sense. Uh, no. Sometimes the vision can cause you to stop. The vision doesn't drive you, the vision can actually constrain you. You just think, well, gosh, that's way bigger than I am. That's way bigger than my skills. If your spiritual life does not have a regular dose of adventure to it, it's not going to sustain the masculine soul. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the Insons Podcast. I'm Sam, and this week was a little bit different because Blaine has been laid up with the flu for some time, and as much as I would have liked to, and I really, really would have liked to, we did not get ahead of our, our recording. So this week we are airing the session that I did at the boot camp. Uh, we were in the mountains this week and gathered up the young men who were there to offer a little bit about Ansons and say some things that about their world. Most podcasts, we get to dive deep into a couple of topics. This episode is a little bit different because we're partly talking about who we are naming some things about the world and offering some advice for guys who have been in the midst of a Wild at Heart boot camp. So I think you'll enjoy it. I think it's worthwhile, but that's why it's a little bit different. And there's a Q&A at the end, I think. Yeah. I'm Sam, and this is Luke. We are two of John's sons. Blaine, the middle, is not here this week because he's got the flu. Um, but we wanted to thank you guys for giving us a little bit of your time. Um, this demographic, our age group has been growing uh, in attendance. Like the percentage has been increasing over the years, which has been killer because as you guys are probably experiencing, like the greatest desire you might be having as you're getting some of this for yourself is like, where are the guys around you? Who can you share this with? And so I get super excited to see your faces. And if I haven't met you, I would love to. Um, this time is us. It's not Padre, it's not the older guys. There's lots of that to come. But we wanted to take some time here to, to offer some things that we see about your world and our world and name some truths about it. Because while everything is true this weekend, the G.K. Chesterton quote is killer that every generation is charged with rediscovering the gospel. There are some unique things for our generation. Jesus, come bring your love we enforce your kingdom here, and we thank you for all that you have in store for us. <sighs> Come and fill this time, Father, in your name. Amen. So I, before I start, how many of you guys were aware of the Ansons world before you came to this boot camp? Kind of like half, maybe, maybe <laughs> a little less. Um, so maybe a little bit of background on that would be helpful. About five years ago, um, I wrote the book Killing Lions with my dad. I had just graduated from college, and I had the really good problem of reconciling this gospel that I had been given, this Jesus that I had been introduced to, this battle, and now regular life and kind of all that that entails. There's a quote that I particularly love by Thomas Merton, which is, that society is a shipwreck from which every man must swim for his life. And I think that is particularly true for this generation. So Anne's Sons was started from that book. From there, we grew into creating other films. 
We do an online magazine, which Alan kind of talked about this morning. Um, that's now quarterly and it's long form. I, I like, I kind of like intentionally flying in the face of like what works. So listicles and things like that, I will never do. I'm going to do a long form thing and tell a part of my story because if I'm not living it, it's not real. And if anything that we are particularly good at, because we've been marketed since the day we could use a mouse, is that we can tell if something's not real. So from that magazine has grown now a weekly podcast. And in that, we kind of have three tenants that we go after. One third of it is older guys, because they are unfortunately rare and somewhat awkward to approach to get older guys in your world. Like it's, it's something that I think everybody needs to do, but sometimes it's really nice to have somebody introduce someone else for you. And so we get to sit down with older guys and, and pick their brains and ask them, what do you wish you knew when you were in your 20s? What were guiding things for you? And what, if anything, can I avoid in the next decade? Um, I'm personally a kind of pee on the electric fence, know that it's on kind of guy. But as much advice I can take and learn from, I want. The second piece is our world, the effect of technology, the effect of the culture, the effect of just where we are in history, I think is really important to our understanding. It feels like the, the larger story, the four acts, is this giant map that helps reframe. And then within that, I want to zoom in. Like, I want the topo. I want the, like, where am I now? And if you could give me the roadmap for my life, I would take it and I think that's why God doesn't give it because he wants relationship and he knows that I would be like, awesome, thank you. See ya, not gonna engage. I'm gonna go do this thing. But the, the second piece is that, what can we learn about our world? And the third is, again, back to that, are we living it? So we have a lot of raw conversations. Like I shared a little bit of my story today. Um, that's all real. And that's something that if someone isn't alluring, if I, if I see the way they're walking out, faith or Christianity or whatever it is, if I don't want what they have, I, I'm not going to go for it. Why, why would I spend any time with them? Um, why would I, I want to know the God that they follow? And that was a big problem for me coming from a Christian college, sitting in an auditorium and wondering if we were actually all talking about the same person, feeling these, these things wrestling within me of like wanting purpose, wanting direction, wanting to bring change now, and having to deal with the nut job in the seat next to me and the way that they live their life. And I would be surprised if there hasn't been a moment of crisis of some kind that that's evoked. There's just so much of a circus act these days, which is part of why I kind of like being mellow right now. I think every church service has their own thing. I think it's a real strong pull as to why so many of our generation are finding their way back to the liturgical and the orthodox as it doesn't feel like marketing. Just a thought. Um, so some things about your world, now that you kind of know a little about, a bit about who we are, I feel like it's really important to name a few things. One is that doubt has become one of the highest virtues. It's almost like the, the, the pinnacle, particularly in the intelligentsia and in the academic world. Um, but if you have like strong conviction about something, there's probably something wrong with you and you might come under crosshairs. Um, the fruit of that is complete and total aimlessness. Like picture, picture somebody in your world that adheres to that and directionless questioning. I mean, I felt that. It's infectious and brutal. 
Another is that there is nothing epic about my story. And that's one that I know I have this conversation with guys all the time as we'd wrestle out the day to day. Um, truthfully, I wish, I wish, and this is, this is almost unkind to say, but I wish that warfare and the battle for your life was as clean and quick as some of the scenes we show. If it were as simple as I have a sword, that's an orc, I have to defend my family, this is it. And like, here we go. Instead, it's 70 years, 25 hours a day, seven days a week. And something can happen in that where it's, it's really difficult for me and that I know for others to keep perspective. One of the books that I really love is, and you haven't read it, totally recommend it, is Man's Search for Meaning by Irvin Yalom, psychologist who was in an internment camp in World War II. And he got this firsthand perspective of how do people handle pain, trauma, destruction, and how do people not? Like, what's, what's the difference? And what he saw was if people can place themselves in their context, if they can place their suffering, their listlessness, their imprisonment, literally being in a concentration camp, if they can see it not as the end, it's Morgan's story, right? Like if he could have pictured as an 18-year-old the conversation he was going to have with his daughter someday, would he have lived differently? I feel like that, that, gets, that gets so, so assaulted. There's a thing, a spirit of doom, truthfully, and, and kind of perpetuated by a couple generations above us. Uh, books like Five Blood Moons sell really well. Um, the End of the World is very trendy. It actually kind of makes you shy away from it because you don't actually want anything to do with it. And yet we have this posture of, if you have a place in time and if you find some truth to the four acts, there's actually some truth to where we are in time. That doesn't mean that we need to sit around waiting for the rapture and there's all sorts of data showing that people believing the end is coming, they actually disengage. But what is particularly interesting to me is the stories that a culture tells itself. What are the stories? What are the nightmares? What are the enemies? Our culture tells two stories right now. They tell the apocalypse, the zombies, this, I mean, you name it. How many movies like that have come out recently? And it's, I'm not judging those movies. I'm using that as like a, that's an archetype that, that is out there. And this, that is indicating there's an oppressive doom feeling. The second, and I love these movies, but they're the superhero movies. And they are all orphans. All of our heroes are orphans now. The great books have this heritage. You actually, like people come from somewhere and that matters, whether that's good or bad heritage. Instead, we all feel like orphans and we have these, these characters that come from nowhere. Even the latest Star Wars movie, which I should not get going on. Um, I liked it. <laughs> who are your parents? They're nobody. They're dead. They're dying somewhere. And I was like, I'm okay with, they don't have to be somebody special, but that fits really well into the, you don't matter. You've come from nowhere. We're all alone. And you better get like a knife to save yourself from your neighbor who's going to become a zombie soon. Okay. There's a, there's a feeling that we, I think is intrinsic as men. And it's different from generation and decade. But it goes something like this. You are behind. You're behind in your finances. You're behind in your relationships. You're behind in your friendships. You're behind in your yard work. You are behind in buying or renting a home, a car. You're behind with your relationship with God. The fruit of that is that 
though you are on a journey, all of a sudden, like you, you've already failed. You just started. You walk out your front door. You begin to try to grow into somebody that you want to be in 10 years. And immediately the enemy's there with, meh, you actually kind of already missed it. You should have started 10 years ago. The number one thing that I have heard in these events, and I would be shocked if you guys haven't heard it at least once, was I wish I had known this at your age. Because that is actually a very hopeful thing. The families that are just starting or haven't started yet, the jobs, the companies that haven't been formed, the churches, like actually that is a very hopeful thing where you are. And it is very rare. A lot of what is coming in the weekend is forward oriented. I can't like not talk about that because one of the things that Luke and I were wrestling with earlier of like, what's the deep question is, okay, I want to be this kind of man. There's a battle. I want to be a warrior. I want to be a good father. How does that play out? Like, what am I doing in the day to day? And there's really, really helpful advice of don't go alone. Let's use the example of running because I, lo- I love it because I, I sort of jog. I jog from time to time. And um, when you go by yourself, it is really easy to make the pain stop. You just, you just stop. It can stop at any time. You go with somebody else and the entire thing is shifted. I know that you know this because actually probably, I'm just going to take a wild guess here, just blindfolded. I think that you probably experience a staggering amount of loneliness in your world. Uh, I would guess that close friends, people that feel like peers that you're walking arm in arm with in the same direction, feel few and far between if there's anyone. And that's okay. We use the term here, having a band of brothers. There's actually probably the grace of band of brother for a while. Something for me in my journey um, as I've been around these guys since I was a kid, like that is an amazing gift. And it, I'm also not in the same life stage. So there's separation there. And I've gotten to watch from a front row seat what Alex and Morgan and JD have looked like over the last 15 years. And these guys, they start, it started with Morgan. It started with one guy reaching out to guys in his world. There are guys in your world right now that are going to be your friends and allies. And there are guys in your world that are going to be your mission. They are a wreck. They are a mess. They are further behind than you. Um, That's actually probably most, if not all of them. That's also okay because planting those seeds, I have watched it transform guys on the team over time. And what began as people behind and people that they were their mission, that they were inviting, giving giving them a copy of Wild at Heart, inviting them on a camping trip, sending them a video. This is why we try to create the content we do when we create free is just drop them a, a YouTube video that we've made or a podcast or an, or an article. See if they bite, see if they're interested. And over time, those guys have become dear and close friends. And I look at that and am super encouraged because I'm still at that point in my life where I had a, I had a really close friend and he moved recently. And, and now I'm, I'm kind of back to, I have my family, which I'm grateful for. And I need other people in my life. And that's just, don't want to give you a false perception that somehow we are all living with just like an abundance of young men that are heading in the same direction. A lot of the guys in our world are mission. And I want in 15 years to have been putting in the time that these are guys that I can live life next to. Walking and growing well. There's going to be some of you guys in this room that this is your first time. This is your first experience. 
and you're beginning. And that's great. And that's awesome. And we're so glad you're here. There are going to be guys in this room that are super familiar with our message that know and sons that have listened to the podcast weekly and love that and love that you are here. The same thing is true for both of you guys is that you need to be holding on to something going forward because our world is really, 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 really good at distracting, at disengaging. Data shows that we are plugged into some kind of media for 18 hours a day. So unless you guys are staying up particularly late, that's an average of basically every time you're, you're awake. That's all the time. And that has some serious effects on our brain, our memory, our, our way of engaging the world. I think we're going to move away from that personally. I was in a meeting for a marketing meeting for one of the books, and they were really pushing ebooks on our generation. And I was like, I don't know anybody that owns a Kindle. Um, I think we're actually moving back towards hard copy. I think we are moving this direction. But in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the matrix, you have come to a place that is really special, that has immense prayer coverage, that is probably somewhat removed from your world. Even the air is clearer here, you guys. Literally the air and the spiritual air is clearer. You're going to go back to the matrix. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to hold on to every day? Because I tell you, that stuff gets grabbed and ripped out to sea. And a month from now, you'll be like, oh man, Sam said that thing and I kind of forgot about it. And maybe I should subscribe to their podcast or something else. Your choice. So something that Sam, when we were talking about Ansons, that was really helpful for me is that Ansons is the if then. If this weekend is true, then what does it look like to live that out in our daily lives and particularly in the struggles that millennials face? So finances, food, um, loving the people in our world, accessing different aspects of our heart and playing that out as we're exploring and developing ourselves as men who want to engage in our world. So if this is true, then what does that look like? And I kind of joke to my brothers that I am the Anson's audience. I'm the primary audience because I eat it up. I listen to the podcasts on my runs. You're in the content itself. I'm in the content, but I like am following it. I'm listening yeah. to it. Um, and finding it helpful of, okay, I want to be a good man, but that can't be the primary motivator because it's immediate failure. It feels like immediate failure. That's the accusation. Your fuel burns very fast. Yeah, right. And so what are the key pieces to hang on to? What are the examples of this is what it could look like to live this well, this being so many different examples. Totally. And we, I like, we offer this as not like, man, you guys, heads up because it's going to happen. Like it just does. It happens for us. It happened like I go through cycles of existential angst working in the Anson's office at Ransom Heart on a weekly basis. Like, is God real? Does he love me? Is this true? like going through these, like it's, it, that's okay because I'm not trying to be all the time. I'm not trying to like just run on being a good man. There's, there's just a need for more, We're, whatever that looks like. And unfortunately that might be a book. You might find a mentor in GK Chesterton rather than in your mechanic for a while. The hope is that it will be real men and women and a band of brothers in your world. A lot of you guys are either married, have a girlfriend, don't have a girlfriend, but are thinking about the woman, probably. Maybe some of you aren't. This guy's not. Um, That's fine, Joe. 
there's different spectrums for that too, right? So some of you guys have been walking with her in it and inviting her into it for a while. I'm going to give you the advice they're going to give you tomorrow, which is the be very kind with her bringing this back. As I'm sure you are aware, this movement, the Wild at Heart Captivating Movement, um, can read one way on the cover. It, and it certainly gets a lot of pushback. You go back and you say, I'm a, I'm a warrior, I'm a wild man, I'm supposed to save you. This is going to be awesome, I'm going to change everything. She's going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I don't know about this, I don't know about you, cool your jets. Because she needs to know that she's going to be invited into it, that you're not going to leave her behind. So we recommend that really gently, giving her a, a copy of Captivating, inviting her to that retreat, and cracking your journal open from this weekend with her. Maybe not all of it, maybe not all at once, but the more you offer yourself as you're growing and the things that you're learning about your heart, like, <laughs> um, yeah, you're welcome. I'll just, I'll just say that. You're welcome. What we do for our lives right now is this. We, we get the privilege of doing a podcast, doing videos, doing a magazine, where we are trying to walk this out with you, where we are doing the if-then that Luke mentioned. And we could fire hose at you about all sorts of random things, postmodernism, <laughs> vacation with the in-laws. There, there is a, an abundance of stuff, and that's also not helpful right now because you are in a weekend that has probably been a little bit of a fire hose as well. So in this space, for now, this is, this is kind of what we're putting out there. Um, it's, meant to be, it's meant to be brief. It's meant to be kind of to see if you're interested in what it means to be living this out now. Because it means something else for the 50-year-old man and the 70-year-old grandfather that's sitting next to you. And that's totally appropriate. But what I do want to do is I want to open this up to questions that you have for us, knowing that though we have his DNA, we are not John Eldridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Luke is unfortunately going to run I've been jogging, around. so I can handle yes, it. Yeah. These hills up here are brutal. Thanks for hosting this conversation. Um, I feel like, I mean, you hit some really crucial things, but gathering our peers in our geographical location is incredibly difficult for a number of reasons. Um, I think a few of which are just like post-college years, 20s are just super unstable for our age group. Like there's a lot of life happening between marriage and all sorts of things. It totally but is. How do you start fostering some of those peer relationships in your local area? Um, yeah. And finding guys that this is even a relevant conversation for, because I think a lot of my peers, it's kind of deer in headlights totally. um, material. So Yeah, great question. One, I almost, we need the geographical location. We need the guys close to us physically. I don't know how many of you guys knew of or know of who Craig McConnell was. He and my dad were best friends for years. He recently passed into the kingdom after a long battle with leukemia, among other things. And they lived in different states and maintained a friendship for 15 years doing a phone call a month. And I do not know many guys that would do that. So th there's something to that as well of when you, when, when someone is a brother, when someone like actually does fit that mold, 
I would be very careful to let them go. Um, I do this. When I move to a new town, I am already pouring the gasoline on the bridge and lighting the matches. And I'm like, see you guys later. You didn't get me. I'm going to find my new people here. And then I get to the new place and I'm like, oops. So I would encourage that. Like I wouldn't take that off the table, but your question to the local is really good because it's, it's super needed. Like we live in the age of somebody called social media community pornography which I think is really good. And I like that it's that brutal because it like, it has all the look of it, all that, like it kind of, but you guys know that it's not the same thing as someone actually living life next to you. So what I would do if I were you is I would do a couple of things. One is guys need to do things together. It's why sports works because you have something to rally around, something to talk about, something to go do, something that isn't just, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee. Like church, small groups, for the most part, are built for women, not for men. And that's brutal. So what I would do is I would invite a guy into something that you love, something that's not going to be super intimidating. If you're like a phenomenal cyclist, it might actually be too intimidating to have someone join you. So maybe something else. Maybe you cross-train by going on a hike. I would, I would do that. And I would also be really strategic with the ways that you play your cards because you're probably going to begin to read his story a little bit better than he can. I would also throw some of some content his way, a snippet. There's daily readings that the Ransom Heart email puts out that are snippets from books. That's, that's almost the entire motivator of why Ann Sons creates film. We want something for you guys to be like, this has just enough like adventure motorcycling or mountain biking to go, oh, this is pretty cool. And those guys seem to talk a little different, like what was up with that, and see if they bite, because handing someone a copy of Wild at Heart will come with some baggage right now, because it's been out for 17 years. So, hope that helped. Um, somebody else? Over here? Yeah. Kind of piggy- piggybacking off that, do you guys run into like the, the comp- competitive feeling you have between like peers? I, I find it, that's kind of a hump it's hard to get over. Like the alpha male yeah, type thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you like when you, if you want to reach out or, or bridge that gap, it's always, I, I feel like I kind of have the feeling that people and maybe in me too have that. I want to prove myself better than somebody or they or I think they do. So that, yeah. 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 Huge. Yeah. Comparison all over the place, whether that's your job, your work, your house, your wife, your inner healing. <laughs> like how messed up is that? That you, like your competition can get in there of how, how whole are you? How much of this do you know? And, and that's something that we, kind, we do bump up against and requires a lot of grace. One of the things that we experience a lot is envy and not always about things that are real, about perceptions. And it has a pretty horrible effect. There's actually a Ransom Heart podcast series on it and I highly recommend it to you guys because it's not just jealousy. It's not just, oh man, like I wish I had been the leader or I wish I had this or that. It's like, it is the destruction of that thing. It is, I can't have it, so you can't have it. I can't lead, so I'm going to lead the rebellion against what you're trying to do. And the thing that works against it is praying love, commanding the love of God against envy. And then you down to the... I was going to say, uh, understanding envy begins with, why can I not enjoy what others enjoy? And then ends with, why should others enjoy 
what I cannot. Yeah. So I also, on another note, get the competition thing because I, 10 years ago, somebody tried to tell me that I was a leader and I was like, ha ha, no. And then they said, Sam, if, if you're not leading the thing, you're leading the rebellion against the thing. And I was like, oh, no, that actually is true. Um, and there's just something that you need to navigate with broken humans, unfortunately, for the rest of your life because that's sort of the world you live in for now. Um, and these, I feel like these, what we're getting are tools to interpret that, of understanding yeah. the poser and see, okay, understand a little bit of your story, how you're living out of that. Which is like, who has that weapon? And don't use that as a weapon because now you're going to be like, oh, this dude's such a, like, he's, I see his pose. And you have power now because you see his pose. I would be careful with that. Mm-hmm. Anybody? Any, yep, back there. So one of the things, especially here, um, and something that I really come up against, and I, you guys probably do as well, is um, relativism of, oh, that works for you. That Jesus guy works for you, but doesn't really work for me. How do you guys suggest combating that? Or yeah. Because we are at war, and it's hard to communicate that without sounding super offensive or um, insulting. Right. The air of offense, to be offensive, is the worst possible thing you can do right now. And that's not to say that the, all of the stupid articles about our generation being hashtag offended is even accurate, but the spirit of offense, actually. The offended self is something that, that's the phrasing of John Elge is there for you. He would say that it's living in the era of the offended self, that what, who you are, how you want to live, the way that it's going to be interpreted to you, the relativism thing. I hate the relativism thing, personally. Like, that's, that has kick me out of so many circles and so many groups because I, I, if, it's, if it's all relative, why, why bother what you're doing? That doesn't matter. That being said, when I've invited people in, I want to be really gentle because what I want is for them to be like experiencing Jesus and getting their heart back. I don't necessarily want to be right. However, you know things by their fruit. And if someone thinks that what's working for them is working for them, you can't make them thirsty. Most of my friends from college, I am, I would say I'm still in contact with maybe 5% to 1% of them because the rest of them think that what they're doing is working. And I will see them sitting right back there in 20 years when they've experienced enough pain to deal with it, to want to deal with it. There's also grace. And, 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 and I don't want to even use the term spectrum because that's been stolen. But I've got a, I have a mentor who I really appreciate. And uh, he talks about the issue, like the, the conversation of masculinity, like this can get boiled down way too fast and way too simplistic. And that's why we use a ton of examples of like, battle doesn't need to mean that you watch the Band of Brothers DVD series. Um, however, how do you feel about when you and your wife are not doing well? Like, do you want to run and be living in the passivity of Adam, what happens, when, what do you feel when you move towards her? So that's where I would kind of say relativism for who God is, mm. relativism for the way you want to live your life. You can't, you can't make people thirsty. Relativism within like the context of your adventure is going to look different than my adventure. The way that you experience masculinity and, and being a warrior is going to look slightly different than it will for me. And that's great. So I, I wouldn't be threatened by that. Uh, thanks for your perspective on this stuff. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, I guess a general question, speaking to someone, uh, I'm single 
and uh, I'm in that phase where I'm definitely ready to to settle down. Um, but I really want to do it. I've, I've spent many years trying to do it myself, find the right woman, make it happen for myself, and realize that it's, it's although you can meet great people that way, uh, or maybe not meet great people that way. Uh, I really am searching for God's uh, the, the person that God has for me. Do you have any advice for us or anyone who's listening or anyone in this room? Um, just helpful advice, maybe prayers we can be praying, that sort of thing to really dial in on that. Yeah, it's a really good question. We are on the cusp of the session of the woman and all that that entails, and there will be more with that. I, I would pay attention to what your heart is after as a, as a first place. A lot of guys that are broken begin with taking their question to her. They want to know if they have what it takes. And so you get really messy really fast. A thing that I used as a litmus test and offer for my friends is, are you better? And do you make your, call yourselves to be better together to have eyes like that and be curious as to what, what is drawing you to a person? Um, Something about their stories and about their heart and, and the way that they, what they draw out of you as a man. That being said, I'm not totally answering your question of like, how do I find this person and where is she hiding? Because I, I don't know. Prayer is, is powerful and does work. And there are some phenomenal people in my world that it is taking some time. And I, I wish I had a better answer for them and for you than that. Uh, I, don't, I don't totally know the story that God's writing there. Other than there are more players than people have typically been operating with. God is reworking things that are meant for harm for good, and you have an enemy trying to twist things. So it's not just you, and it's not just her. This might uh, be for both of you guys, whoever wants to answer. Um, but just kind of being in younger marriages and things like that, like, in a, no, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the next sessions, but um, what does it look like to be like, just a masculine soul in the relationship and like bringing the like Eve along for the adventure, but also making sure that she's with you. And I know you kind of touched on that. Of like, don't just go back here, back home, be like, hey, I'm a warrior, let's go buy it. And then like, you're already out the door. I'm totally. um, trying to slay a dragon or something. Like, but like, what does that look like for you? And maybe right now in your lives now, like what are challenges where it's like, okay, how do I learn to be more with my wife? And how do I learn to also lead better as um, a Christian man in our relationship? Totally. So something that I have loved about my wife is her awareness of how much she knows she needs adventure too. This either has been said or will be said, but one of Eve's great fears is that she is going to be left behind. So that's why the going into the adventure piece is something you want to be careful with because if the message is translated of, babe, I need my heart back, so I'm not going to go on dude camping trips and you can't stop me because it's for my masculine heart. All you're saying to her is, see ya. Like, that's brutal. So the way that it's played out for us, we, we battle with that because I take off for guys weekends and we do some men's getaways. There's a, there's a point of maturity in your story where you will be able to bless each other for things that make your hearts well. Whether that's a, a girl's night, a girl's weekend, a guy's getaway. The guys on this team have wives that can say, hunting makes you a better man. And so me releasing you for 48 hours means I get a better husband and you come home. And so that's like a particular stage of the journey. And it's not like that happens when all of a sudden you're 30. That could be sooner than you think. Her heart will totally respond to things that make you come alive. So as for inviting her into things, invite her into what you love already. Like don't, you don't need to fabricate or create something new. I recently discovered the joys of road biking. It was like 
all that I loved about being on a bicycle as a boy came back. And then I wanted to learn how to do triathlons. And so I did those. And like, I was shocked at my wife's joy when I crossed the finish line. Like she was so happy to see me alive and enjoying something. And then on the drive home comes the, I'd love to do one with you someday. And it's like, that's her heart responding to you being alive because man, that's, that's what you want. And that's what she wants. You're, you're drawn to that together. So I would start there. I would invite her into something you do and it might end up being your own unique thing you do together. Something Susie and I do is we, we don't own a television. We read to each other. We read books. We read series. We started with the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis when we first got married and kind of just picked different trilogies and we'd read them in bed together at night and pass the book back and forth. And like, that was awesome. So it might not even be a triathlon. It might be the adventure of reading at night. Any others before we come for a landing? Yeah. So uh, as just kind of that young coming into like full manhood men and entering the early parts of our careers, we want that significance and, and have that and ambition to do great things. And so maybe advice on how do you separate ambition from drivenness and knowing that there's, I mean, we're almost guaranteed to go towards trying to find value in our work. Um, and also the heartbreak of having to get the experience to actually maybe do what's fully on our hearts and being patient with that while that goes through. It's something I think about a lot. It was actually the, the topic of our first podcast that we did for Anson's. It was success as defined by a 20-year-old man. And it was something I sat there for a little while and I realized that I needed to literally write down what I was going to define success as. Very like vocationally. And part of that was this tension of, let me add them. Like I do feel that drive. I do feel that it's part validation, but it's part strength. And as you grow in things, we get, we get a little restless and the working world does not look the same that it used to work. <laughs> like you can, you have, I have friends who are making way too much money working their butts off in the tech world. Um, so you can, and it's kind of this, like, if you're not, what's wrong with you? What's really good is that Morgan does an, like a program for guys in their thirties and it's super disruptive because he reframes the 30s as a decade of excavation and of building the kind of man you can want to be in your 40s. There's something in me that's like, yeah, oh no. <laughs> you mean like next week? <laughs> I'll excavate for a while. Like that is tough to commit to something that's taking time. Um, so I would listen to the podcast. I would totally, uh, you know, point to that. I would wrestle with the fact that if you have not defined success for yourself, the world's going to define it for you. I love to do that. And there's this thing that we like write down on our note card, put on our computer, put on our mirror. And, and it's something along the lines of, I want to be becoming the kind of man who 10, 20, 30 years from now is a king who's not going to blow up his world. It sounds backwards, but a lot of problems come from young men being promoted into kingship too soon. And I would add just on work in the day-to-day, -day, having two things. The first that we talked about earlier is the need for context. Um, I work as an assistant English teacher in middle school. I grade grammar worksheets for eight hours a day. So it feels very meaningless. Um, but I have a sticky note on my computer, and it says what I'm doing is foundation. Um, so placing what we're doing in a context. And in that, and part of that, again, quoting 
Craig McConnell. In God's economy, there's no wasted time. No matter what you are doing, that is not going to be wasted in God's economy. So thinking about the right career choice, putting my strength into the right thing to get to the right place so that when I am 50, I do have a kingdom at all. In God's economy, there's no wasted time. And what you're doing needs to be placed in a context. Yeah, we'll do one more. Last one. So you briefly mentioned it earlier, um, but could you talk about the fruit that you've seen either in your own lives or the lives of these older men around you um, for one, kind of going in this way of understanding your masculine heart, but also walking with the band of brothers? So getting a front row seat to all of this like, has been a phenomenal privilege where I get to watch not just the effect of a weekend, but of a decade and then two decades on marriages and friendships. And the real question is like, are they going to be pushing in? Are they going to be living it? And it, it is hard. It doesn't always go according to plan. It blows up. And there are plenty of stories of years where guys on the team got derailed because of very legitimate things that were needing to be addressed and then came back. There's almost like, to Luke's point, there's, there's, I don't know that I saw fear in it. I saw this posture of the kingdom of God, it's always frontier and initiation is not necessarily comfortable and growth is not necessarily comfortable. And so there's not like this, oh man, not everything's going perfectly and it's not happening right now to go, to take some of the pressure off. And that is really good soil for the heart, like pressure, performance, certain things need to happen when they do. My wife is a completely different person than she was seven years ago when I met her. I'm a completely different person than I was seven years ago when she met me. She broke up with me for very good reasons. And I'm glad to say I'm not that person anymore because she was calling me out to be someone that was better. It is that phrase that Morgan loves and that we throw around of the kingdom of God is always frontier. And so I don't, there's not going to be a point that I've seen where guys hit a place and just kind of hit autopilot. If that happens in someone's life, that tends to not end very well. And it happens very quickly. It's always called in something new. So you guys, thank you for giving us some of your time. I hope some of this has been helpful. And if I haven't met you, I'd love to. Guys, thanks for listening this week. I hope that the episode and its uniqueness was kind of a fun change of pace. And we will be back next week with our more regular episode. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.